right, back here on the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 877-37-GRIND. All right, sticking with the NFL theme. Um, yeah, so the 49ers, um, they get Debo back. And next thing you know, things start to fall in place. And Trent Williams. And Trent Williams. I told you Friday, Jacksonville, I mean, excuse me, 49ers, I compare them to like the Golden State Warriors and some of these offenses. I mean, you can even go back to uh, there's been particular offenses that when one piece is out, it's, and those are usually offenses, I don't care what sport it is, if they're timing offense. If it's an offense that's about timing and rhythm, you can have – look, injuries are all part of the game. Everybody's hurting right now. Everybody's banged up. Everybody's got their own injuries. People got guys lost for the season. But it's also about – you know, there can be a difference when you got key guys go out. See, there's injuries and then there's injuries. And and it all levels out. Can you really overcome that? And it's a different team when you don't have the best tackle in the game and probably arguably probably the most integral piece to a particular movement. I would put 1A is Tyreek Hill and 1B is Debo. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying that I got Debo Rank right behind Tyreek Hill and wide receiver. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that's 1A and 1B on any NFL team right now on the offensive side of the ball. If you take them away, you can't replace that, and it's going to show in your own team. And it could cost you some losses. And that those are the two individuals on the offensive side outside of the quarterback position that I feel they're in that category. So the 49ers, came, and they're coming off of bye week, man. They came and dominated the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, that was the easiest thing on the board for me all week since last time. So I'm like, no, the 49ers are not losing four in a row. And if you give them a bye and they're going to get healthy, they're going to beat Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, was a, they've been playing good. You know, they've been playing real good. So, um, and I, I don't think it's an indictment on Jacksonville. I don't think it exposes them as being a fraud. Uh, you know, I think they're still one of the favorites to win the South, and they're going to be one of the favorites at the end uh, of this season. And it might be down to the final four with them included. So I just think the 49ers uh, was ready to stop the losing streak. Now, one of the other streaks that stopped was Christian McCaffrey's streak, you know, of his, uh, what was it, 18 straight games with a touchdown or 17. I think he stayed tied. He's tied with the record, and he was a good sport about it after the game he just said I guess I sucked everybody else scored and I didn't uh, they were trying to get it to him I know it got some criticism from some people say oh they're trying to run the score up man they're not putting on and I didn't even know until later I'm like well no wonder they doing that they're trying to get Christian McCaffrey the record I'm like why are y'all mad at Kyle don't you know Kyle used to babysit him why ain't he why is he not if he used to burp him and change his diaper why isn't he gonna allow him to maybe get into history books by his own he couldn't cash in though but they still won the game what do you got it's a 60 year old record mm. uh 17 to be official on that which includes three playoff games wow that's an old record and before i get to the nugget as we were talking about cj stroud and you know mvp hasn't happened but you know what can tell me was the last time it happened as a rookie to win the MVP. Not supposed to because most of y'all weren't alive. Jim Brown is the last. I think that was 1951 or something like that. Uh, 1957. 57. Last rookie to win an MVP award. Just food for thought. I forgot to bring that up talking about Texas. But back to the 49ers. They're not gone anywhere. Excuse me. They're not gone anywhere. 
I know a lot of you Dallas fans and everything that hit up on Facebook, well, you know, 49ers ain't won a game and since they beat us. And you know the 40 no, and they could have lost to Jacksonville and they still going to kick y'all's ass, speaking of Dallas, when they see y'all. But the bottom line, they ain't going nowhere. They're still the best team in the NFC for sure if they're healthy. And they might be the best team in the NFL if they're healthy. A lot of football left to be played, though. But um, that is what it is. And I think that sums it up about Brock Purdy. No, Brock Purdy was picked dead last for a reason. But in this position and this team, you can call them a system what you want. It's a timing thing. So if his parts ain't there, yeah, Brock Purdy going to look like Mr. Irrelevant. So tomato, tomato. They're going to be a tough out if they don't suffer any major injuries coming down to the second half of the season. 877-37-GRIND. All right, keeping it moving as well to uh, the Vikings. Uh, get it done again with Dobbs. Um, I mean, NASA's involved in this. They're tweeting out pictures of them. Um, the pastronaut. The pastronaut. Is that what they call him? Yeah. Well, he gets it done again. This time, I'm pretty sure he knows his receivers, got a chance to learn them in practice. But Minnesota, uh, to me, that's not really – I mean, I know this is one of the better feel-good stories in the NFL right now, rightfully so. I mean, Dobbs has been on like three teams alone this season. Okay? He has a lot of jerseys he's put on. But I think the story of this really, to me, is Kevin O'Connell. He's the real deal, man. He's the real deal. Like I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know about him. You know, regardless of him leading them to the playoffs last year, and they were going on this magical run, winning a lot of one-point games, one-score games. I was still saying, like, all right, you know, let's get in your second year. The injury to Kirk Cousins and where they were at at the time has sold it for me. He is the real deal. And, and, I, and I when I say that, meaning like the, there's coaches that can sit there and just know like out of adversity or what they do, the good ones and the great ones, the real good ones and the great ones, they don't allow adversity to take over the team. And they, they're finding – I mean, we talk about Pittsburgh, rightfully so, but Minnesota's finding ways to win ball games as well too. You know, and this is out without their number one receiver – Okay, arguably maybe the best receiver, the second best receiver in the game. Um, this is with a journeyman quarterback that just showed up. And they're and they're winning game. And they beat the they beat the Saints. And the Saints, look, man, uh, this is what I'll say. What do you want to add before I go to the Saints? What are you gonna add? Uh, that makes it five in a row for the Vikings now. Mm-hmm. And uh O'Connell, another one of those off the McVay tree. Zach Taylor over there, there in go. Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. O'Connell getting it up there in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, let's pay attention to will we give props to the trees. I like to watch the trees grow in the National Football League. Let me tell you something, man. This is a team of the New Orleans Saints because of their schedule. I had them in the NFC Championship game going to the Super Bowl. I had them as the number one seed in the NFC because they had the easiest schedule, okay? Uh, now, Minnesota's no walk in the park. And before I go to the New Orleans side, and I'm giving Connell the little let me give this brother his flowers too. I've said it a couple of weeks ago. This is when you can tell coach, and Brian Flores will be a head coach again in the National Football League, and he has done wonders with this defense. Keep in mind, Minnesota lost like three starting defensive players in the offseason, and he has them mass improved compared to where they were last year. So I'm going to give Brian Flores his flowers as well also. But let me talk about the 504 boys. Derek Carr, 
hey, man, I, I hate to kick this guy while he's going off on the John Deere tractor, maybe with a concussion, another shoulder injury. Derek Carr is a guy that he is just who he is. And I'm tired. Derek Carr gets a lot of people that give him passes. And the thing I'll say about Derek Carr is he has one good season. He's had one. He has one good season every three years since he's been in the league. OK, that is uh, to, to me, it's one of those situations to where, you know, he kept the season together with the Raiders. I get it. You know, and then he signs this contract with the Saints. They're lacking a quarterback. They're tired of doing the, J, uh, the you know, the Jameis Winston. Taysom Till can't just give you what he can give you for 17 weeks, especially without Sean Payton there. They made a commitment to Derek Carr. And, you know, I've seen him lose it with guys on the sidelines OK, not not this, not yesterday, but previous weeks. Um, there's something lacking there. Or maybe I don't know in leadership. I don't know. He showed he was a leader when he was with the Raiders, you know, especially the last couple of years. But a lot of this falls on him. I mean, you know, they, they brought in John Gruden in the, in, the, in the training camp to work from afar because this was similar. Dennis Allen was there with the Raiders when they drafted Derek Carr. That's the reason why Dennis Allen wanted to go get his ass and bring him back, you know, or bring him with him to New Orleans. And look, I know he got hurt yesterday, but they're underachieving because the office of Derek Carr. I'm sorry. You know, that's a talented roster, especially with the schedule they've had. Jameis Winston's not the answer. Uh, you saw him get in. He got in yesterday, made some plays. He brought him, you know, close, you know, within the score in a two-point conversion. But yet and still, turned the ball over. Just not a guy that's going to be put to bring you back like that. So, New Orleans, lucky for them, they don't play in the AFC. They play in the NFC. Um, if you look at that division in the South, I mean, Atlanta's – I mean, the Saints are going to win the division by default. I mean, for the most part, I thought they were going to win the defense because they the division, excuse me, because they were a good team, a great like going to be a great team. Um, I might have overvalued them a little bit. I mean, we've got some football left to play, but I'm very disappointed in, in Derek Carr. And, and the reason why I'm coming at him, even though he got hurt and left and possibly might be in concussion protocol, is because the media and the NFL fan base and the passerbyers they give Derek a pass. And, and and again, this has been a model on this show forever about sometimes the media picks and chooses on who they want to go after, whatever. And Derek, look, good guy. Like, I mean, there's no way. If I met Derek Park Carr in person, check it, he probably got you want to go have a beer with you. Not a good, this is not a personal attack. It's just on the field. Because you know the one thing I'll say, because I used to give him a hard time and I bring him up. Like, at least it finally clicked with Tony Romo. I mean, Tony Romo, the, the unfortunate thing is by the time it clicked with Tony Romo, his back, he had already been to like two back surgeries. Collarbone was broken, broken twice. It was just too late. Derek Carr seems to me that he still hasn't figured it out. And, and you know, switching systems, I mean, in, in, you know, in Derek's defense, what I will give him, he's had to overcome some bad coaching in Oakland and now the Vegas but there's, I'm talking about really the mistakes he makes, the individual plays, and I think the lack of leadership outside of his environment. I mean, I feel that Derek Carr became the leader at Oakland and the, the Raiders by default because he was the longest tenure guy there, and he was the quarterback. So it's like you inherit the letter C. Just my opinion. 877-37-GRIND. We got started yesterday, though, when we went to Germany as we saw the Indianapolis Colts take on the New England Patriots. 
And I'm glad I decided to go to the gym early in the morning while this one was on because I knew they weren't going to have the NFL Network, and I knew AC was waking up. I'm like, you know what? Something just tells me. I had it in the card, by the way, in the foundation. Good bounce back by the foundation, by the way. Uh, I'll get in the – I got to get to the one team that kept me perfect, though. I'll get to them. But this was right here. I don't know if this was Denver and Dow- – I mean, Denver and Colts of last year on Thursday Night Football. It was in the zip code. It was in Erica. This is a bad play football game. Um, I think the Colts are better than what they displayed on the field because sometimes if you're not a great team, which the Colts are not, they're an okay, good, average team maybe. But sometimes if you play a lesser opponent and you're not, let's say, the 49ers or you know somebody like that, you're going to come down to competition. And I think that's a little bit what happened to the Colts. Besides this Garden Minshew stuff, he's just not – I mean, he's just not cutting it, uh, uh, you know, really for speaking of that. But Mac Jones and the Patriots. Um, this is the reason why when I said a couple segments ago, the Giants and the Patriots are battling for the worst team in the fo- in, in the league. I think if you look roster-wise and you just don't look at the product, I think you'd have to give it to New England then. But if you look at just the product, I mean, both of these teams are pretty bad. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, this is family. AKA Roll Tide. Um, young man won a national championship at Alabama. He waited his turn. He didn't take his ball and go home and transfer. He sat behind Tua. He had to sit behind Jalen Hurts and Tua until he got his opportunity. I've said this about him before, and I'll continue to say it again. Uh, Mac Jones, the only way Mac Jones is an NFL Sunday quarterback, starting quarterback is he has to have, like, 12 guys on his team going to the Pro Bowl, and none of those 12 got to be on the offensive side of the ball. He's got to have major weapons, and he's got to also have a top-tier, top two or three offensive line in the league. And he doesn't have that with New England, and he's getting exposed. Bill O'Brien who was around him a little bit at Alabama, basically went ahead and just had it bowled over. They had an incident on the sideline there. Um, this is just bad. He has, and, and you know what? I stand by it. I know I'm usually Team Bill, and, and I'll, I'll defend Bill till they take me under. Uh, but the reality is, is that Bill screwed him last year. And, and I think when you find, when, when we get to this point of this divorce between Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, I think more dirt is going to come, more stuff is going to come to the surface of the water. Okay, and I think that there's something behind that move last year. We we won't know it until he's gone from New England. This whole not wanting to hire offensive coordinator, I'm gonna stick to that. That's gonna. I don't know if that came from Kraft. If this was a financial situation, they didn't want to pay for multiple coaches. They disagreed on who it was gonna be. Bill took his ball and go home and said, "I'm just won't hire anybody." Something is with that, but the but the casualty of that was Mac Jones. That's one. What's going on this year though? By the time you have an offensive coordinator now, and due to the fact of how you was coached at Alabama and what kind of program that has ran, if you really could make it, if you really could be a Sunday game, you wouldn't be doing some of the mistakes and the throws that Mac Jones is doing. And I told you a few weeks ago, I should say told y'all a few weeks ago, about well, about a month ago when it happened last time, I didn't like the fact that Mac Jones – handled it too well getting pulled by Zappy. The first time it happened – and then now also yesterday. I know you got to be a good teammate, and I need you to know whatever. 
I don't like the way he handled it. I'll respect what Ryan Tannehill, how Ryan, Ryan Tannehill showed his true colors in his press conference. We had to, at practice last week about getting benched for Levitz. I'll take that from a guy that I've basically banged on for the last two to three years. Then a guy that's going to sit here and be, oh, okay, yeah, this is what, like, no, man. He's not an NFL quarterback. He might be a backup, but it's awful. Now, the one criticism I have for Bill Belichick is why would you wait this long? Like, if you're going to put there and put Zappy, that's got no reps for the ones through the week, um, if you're going to throw him in the last drive in the fourth quarter to try to go and win a football game, that's unfair. If you wanted to bench, you've had plenty of times, in my opinion, to pull the plug on Mac Jones. Going back for last year, when you basically gave the job back to Mac Jones when he got healthy, when Zappy was playing well, to this year where it's been awful with Mac Jones on certain weeks, and you still didn't replace him. What do, and Bill knows more football than I do in 200 lifetimes. But it didn't make sense for him. I think through this whole debacle, he's waited too long to make that move. He's waited to, and I'm not telling you Zappy's the answer, but you got to do something when you're as anemic they, as they are on offense and as horrible of quarterback play that they're getting. Do you want to add something as we go to the break? Well, I feel, I feel like when you needed to move the ball down the field quickly, Zappy's arm allows you to do so. So it was really more of a reliever rather than a benching, in my opinion. Well, I'll respond to that before we move on. But you listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here with the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spit of the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. All right, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Penland Whiskey. Keep in mind, Penland Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using some of the finest ingredients before bottling glaciers. 
glacier-fed spring waters added from Mount Hood's Oregon's highest peak. Pilsner whiskey delivers a uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. It is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association, and it's an official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 87737-GRIND. All right, man. So we're back here, still sticking with the NFL theme. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it plays out in regards to, you know, going forward. But Minnesota, I think Kevin O'Connell is the, is the real deal. Uh, we'll see how they continue and go on. Um, also, the last thing before we move on and get into Monday night, what do you want? What do you well, we were back on uh, the Patriots. The Patriots side. What did we want to discuss on the uh, Patriots? At the end, oh, the, the because benching, you said that, the benching yeah. uh, of, no, of Mac Jones. I, look, it, it's a benching. I, I mean, my thing is I've seen this twice from Bill. He, he only – he waited too long. I mean, first of all, the mistake was that it should have been technically an open quarterback competition at camp. Okay, that's number one. Number two – to put him in there in the last drive was too late. Like, Mac, there's times where Mac should have been benched at halftime. I mean, go back to the Dallas Cowboys game. Mac Jones should have been benched at halftime at that game. But what have I always said? Guys like Bill, which wears a GM hat that is shopping for the groceries, it's a pride thing when it's like it's if you make changes or you bench, it's like you saying like I made the wrong choice, I drafted the wrong person. That's also the problem no one's talking about. In it, well, it falls under the same umbrella. It's not the Bill X's and O's that's going to have to mutual part ways, and it's time to move on from Bill. It's the GM. It's the I've got to have fully control and my Patriots way and the way I've done ways. It's the, I'm not I'm not changing. Because to me, Robert Kraft has the easiest way out. Go to Bill. Hey, Bill, you know I like you. You know I want you to stay on, but I'm going to have to bring in a GM. Bill, Robert already knows the answer to that. So that's why I say this is going to be a mutually agreed to part ways. Black Monday, whatever they call it, it'll probably fall on Black Monday. Or it'll be within that week or whatever. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but no, that's that's just a bad football team, and that, that's the one critical of Bill. I just think that he's he's stuck to Mac too long, and he's pretty much lost the team, and in the process of losing the team, just to not want to admit that you were wrong, that you picked a guy that, again that's not worked out, and it won't be the first time that Bill has picked a position skill player in the draft. And won't be wrong. I can defend him all day when it comes to X's and O's and who's more responsible than Bill or Tom, but I cannot defend what he's done in the war room for the last four or five years. And it's probably been going on longer than that, but it's the same effect that I said about Peyton Manning having on John Elway in Denver. You know, that Denver just didn't wake up and all of a sudden say, how the hell we go to the Super Bowl and win it and basically miss the playoffs six years? No, when they were winning and Peyton was winning the division, when he was doing the Patrick Mahomes before Mahomes showed up, Elway was missing on picks. He was missing on this one. I'll take Cody Lattimore out of the University of Indiana. Had me selling Cody Lattimore. Okay? Those are the things. And then all of a sudden when the guy leaves, the sheriff and things start to, you start hiring first-time coaches, then all of a sudden the mask comes off. You know? Like you ever, like, like you know, some, not all, but some women are into wearing Spanx. 
I didn't. I just found out what Spanx was about a few years ago, and I'm thinking like I'm glad this wasn't popular when I was dating because it's like eventually when you get home, then Spanx got to come off. So eventually, when you miss them picks. And you still got Tom and you're being competitive. Nobody listening. Nobody's looking, pay attention. Same thing happened to Elway. I love Elway. Same thing happened to him. Eventually, he had to take, eventually, we found out you were wearing Spanx. Period. 877 37 grind. So, moving on from the Patriots. The last game I wanted to touch on before we go into the Monday night football action Tennessee Titans. Adam Lagoria, the CEO of Chief of All of Tennessee, made the Levitz gets the start. Same Titans offense. Didn't see anything. Um, now I believe Levitz is looking better than what I thought he would look on Sunday. But with that said, when I, I've watched two games with him now, and I, I think I paid more attention to this Bucks game than even his first game last week. One of the things I will tell, speaking of that guy, John. One thing that I will tell Levitz, I've seen this before. Will Levitz has to learn every pass that he throws, he's got a rocket arm. He's got a strong arm. I mean, that was the one thing Mel Kuyper kept banging the desk about. Oh, he's already built. Oh, oh. Not every throw to your receiver needs to be coming in at 70, 80 miles an hour. Not every throw needs to be a fastball. Elway dealt with the same situation coming out of Stanford. Vance Jackson, you know, the original three amigos, See, I can go way back. I might not go back as Bronco 60. But I go back. So the three amigos, Elway had to take some sauce off it, man, because you're breaking, you jamming guys' finger. Levitz, man, take some smoke off the ball. Finesse. Huh? Finesse. Like, yeah, well, not so much can't, finesse. Can't go hard all right, the time. Right. Like he's, I, right. I understand that he's got to fit sometimes through some tight windows, but there were some passes that I saw yesterday. I'm like, the guy dropped him because you're throwing it like you're trying to throw his arm off. Like, we know you got a cannon, man. Calm down. Young quarterback. Offense still looks lack of creativity. They lack skilled players. Um, this is a team, and I will say this. I was going to, you know, proceed with caution, but I'll say it now. It was it was a mistake to hold on and not get something for Derrick Henry. And and you know what? And I'm not going to take Vrabel to task of the gym because I believe that's an ownership call. I said it when I talked about it. You know, the players, there's certain owners that got players like he ain't going nowhere. Okay? He ain't going nowhere. It's just like for the fact of it is, if Bill Belichick's ass gets fired before week 17, you will know Robert Kraft is firing him for running Tommy out. Not so much because you losing and we are terrible. I have a reason now to let you go because you forced Tommy out. That's the only reason why a guy with Bill Belichick's resume gets fired before week 17. But with that said, you know, Levitt's, I mean, first of all, they should have got some for Derrick Henry. This is a team that I've tried to tell Tennessee, Nashville, Adam, and everybody else that could listen. This is a team that's been rebuilding and retooling. I, the, the verdict, in my opinion, is still out on Will Levitz. I know what his debut looked like. Everybody got all hyped up. But looking at that game against – and look, and I've got a lot of respect for Todd Bowles. But looking at that game Sunday, that, that's a game that is really – nothing jumped out of the page. Nothing jumped out of the page. And this is a Tennessee Titans team – that lacks talent. It's not horrible. It's not that horrible of a roster, but it lacks talent. It's a lot of that name, you know, calling. I will tell you this right now. You can throw the Tennessee Titans in that could be looped in this Bill Belichick stuff too. Don't think Robert Kraft might want to sit there and say, hey, you know what? I want Vrabel. 
what y'all want for him. He's traded picks before for a head coach. Vrabel knows, quote-unquote, the Patriot way. He's played them. I think he's like in the last year of his contract coming up with Tennessee as well, too. And they got about a year, I think, of max, too. Pay attention to that. It's a trickle-down effect. And I would tell Dabo, he's on notice, too. Bill calls the Morrow family and says, hey, man, I really like that job. He goes, Dabo's coach of the year and everything's out of New York fast, and you can say what? Because the Giants, because Bill knows and where he lands, he knows there's a good chance he's going to be landing somebody that's got a top three pick that can get a quarterback that he can hitch his wagon to. Because he really, he, I'd be shocked if Bill walks away because I, I do believe that he wants that Shula record. 877-37-GRIND. All right. In regards to before we move into college, Monday Night Football is here. We're going to put a bow on week 10 tonight in the National Football League that has the Denver Broncos winners out of three out of four of their last games going on the road in Orchard Park to take on the Buffalo Bills that have kind of been up and down. Nobody would have told you right now that they would have four losses before Thanksgiving Nobody would have thought that before the season. This is where the Buffalo Bills lie. Um, First of all, I've alluded to this. This is a house of horrors for the Denver Broncos in franchise history. Buffalo is not a place that they have fared well, okay, in Buffalo. That's number one. Number two, this is a absolute, without a doubt, must win for the Buffalo Bills. They have to win this football game. Okay, they're sitting at four losses right now. Now, granted, the Jets lost last night to the Raiders. Didn't really want to get into that game too much, but again, a little bit, you know, they're able to light cigars again the Raiders' way, as they say. They're playing deep. And I looked at them, I'm like, damn, they really hated Josh McDaniels. Like, this is a total different, I mean, not totally different, but it's a different vibe. Like, they hated that guy. But the Jets lost, the Dolphins were on a bye week. And the Patriots are not even a factor. Buffalo has to win this game. The pressure is on them to win. If you look at the AFC, it's a log jam. I mean, nobody is running away with it. Kansas City, technically, is not even running away with it. Now, when the dust settles, they might have the number one seed yet again, the way the season's going. But nobody's ran away with it. You look at the North. You're talking about four teams potentially qualifying. The Bills have to think about that. They've got to look at those records in the North. They've got to contain with Miami, which they have one more game left with Miami in Miami, that if they lose that division – Speaking of the AFC, if they lose that division to the Dolphins, a game like tonight within an interconference foe that's coming in the game as the Broncos are three and five, this makes it real murky. Come December, you mess around and you lose this game at home with a team that you should beat. Go ahead. Yeah, rather than the AFC East, you're looking at the AFC South. Uh, Mm -hmm. With their win yesterday, the Houston Texans break up the AFC North party in the playoff picture at NFL.com, and they slide into that seventh spot at five and four. So when you talk about how just how crucial, I mean, you can't lose a step on those Bengals. You can't lose a step now on those Texans. We talked about earlier how favorable their schedule looks down the rest of the way. So it is almost the division or bust. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a big one for Buffalo, and I think just for their psyche as well, too. Uh, they're undefeated at home. They've been awful at home. I'm on the road. Excuse me. Like I said, this game was in Denver, and the way Buffalo's been playing, 
I really like Denver's chances at home. They they beat Buffalo at home. The way if if you played if that team shows up that played Kansas City, they would beat Denver. I mean Buffalo at home. Now on the road, prime time, back up against the wall, coming off of a loss in Cincinnati. I don't know. It's going to be tough sledding. But I will tell you this for the other side in Denver Broncos. According to CBS Sports, it came out within the last hour or two, without a doubt, the Philadelphia Eagles, along with the 49ers, made multiple offers for Patrick Sertain. Okay? Sean told everybody, we're not shopping anybody around. Now, I understand Sean is a hard guy that you can trust 100%. But to his defense, he told everybody we wasn't shopping. Now, we're taking calls. Now, think about it. They made a decision who just made first team all pro last year. They made a decision because I know that was multiple first. I don't even want to know the picks because I know they were multiple round picks. And as much as I love PS2, it might still make me want to just have, you know, you have that acid reflex in your mouth. Just thinking like, damn, man, that would have been some nice to get a pick. But they chose to stay pat. They chose to stay pat on everybody. They're playing younger guys on the defense. They're winners three out of their last four games. Okay. You're coming off of stopping a streak, beating the defending champs. What can you do against an offense that I believe, if Vance Joseph continues, the word on the street is everything's been simplified. I believe if he continues to simplify, I believe that they can make the Buffalo Bills one-dimensional. Because the one thing they're going to be able to have that most people won't have going into Buffalo or taking Buffalo, they've got a guy back there that I just speak of that was inquired by two Super Bowl contending teams. They've got a guy that you can leave on an island with digs if you want to and let them tangle. That right there frees a, a, a team that can't really run the ball that good in Buffalo. Because I can tell you, Vance, the game plan is going to be similar from a stand with Kansas City because they kept a spy on Patrick. And it's not even your tradition. I'm not talking your traditional spy like a spy Michael Vick. They kept it really disguised. I think that's the same thing you do against Josh Allen because you've got to keep Josh Allen in the pocket because they don't have a true running game. And then you take your chances with Patrick Sertain and Diggs and you find out who else is going to show up. One of the tight ends. Now, um, one of the things the Buffalo's having a hard time doing, too, is stopping the run. Javante Williams is steady getting healthier. After a year removed, he's past the year mark on that injury. He's going to be a beast next season. Year two in this Sean Payton, whatever the hell system he's running, he's going to be a beast. But I, you see him run a little bit stronger. He's taking a little bit touches away from Javille. Um, Are they going to be able to get pass rush to Josh? All those things. And for the first time, Vaughn Miller gets to face his former team. Back right in time from rehab and his last year injury to be back for this team. Probably going to be a little bit odd for him, but, you know, it's happened before. He gets his opportunity to play, you know, his former team. Um, The offensive line of Denver has spoken very loudly that they're looking forward to the second half of the season to be able to run the ball, run the ball. This could smell like maybe a 20 to 25 back touch for JaVale McLaughlin and maybe, uh, excuse me, for Javante Williams and Javille McLaughlin. It could be about a 20-25 back carry type of game if you want to keep, uh, you know, Josh Allen and them off the side, that offense. You know, it's a, Buffalo should win this game. I, I, this should be, uh, you know, I'm anticipating. I mean, now the spread, I looked at it, it's up to eight. It was seven and a half, dropped to seven. Last time I checked an hour ago, it's eight. That's a lot of points to swallow, even at home for Buffalo. Now, it could. Now, that's telling you, right, the, the desert setting that line that that's supposed to be a blowout tonight. This is supposed to be probably, 
you know, double-digit type of blowout. I don't know. It depends on what Denver team shows up. But I'll tell you this right now. They let Sean Payton with this team go into Buffalo and a must when they need to win. First of all, they write back and the thing, and I would say, oh, damn. Yo, that's my model going forward. Not with this team. Can't get them back in the playoff race with this team. Because what you're going to do when now that the picks come and he starts molding even more, that's very impressive. The last thing I'll say about this, though, too, is I believe win or lose tonight, I got Denver winning probably the next three games, three out of four. You can kind of give me the names again, but I think I got the schedule. I know up quickly – now, that Texans game, that trip to Houston, that game had turned a whole different look now. They've got to go to H-Town, but they're about to have Minnesota. they got Minnesota next Sunday night. They've got two back-to-back prime games tonight, and then they play next Sunday night against Minnesota in Denver. Dobbs is going, Dobbs is going to find out. Him and NASA, they, that's when you cut your teeth on when you got to go to prime time in mile high. And you're a young quarterback, which Dobbs is, and you got a formidable defense that's playing at night in that pass rush. Back in the end zone, start hearing that <laughs> on that third and long. Let's see what Dobbs got. They catching an L next Sunday. So I got Denver winning. Regardless what happens tonight, I got them winning next Sunday night. And who's after that? Uh, Cleveland. And that's going to be in Mile High before you make the trip to H-Town. And then the Chargers and Lions. That's a 13-10 game right there. Cleveland comes into town. That's going to be there. Um, I don't know if they, they got enough to get Cleveland. I, off a deal. I don't know about that. I, I you know Let's see. They lose tonight, beat Minnesota. Let's say lose to Cleveland. Who's after that, after Cleveland? Uh, Houston. Right, mm. on, right quick on the turnaround. Well, that's a 50-50 game. And then at Chargers, that's a win. At Lions, that's a loss. Hosting Patriots, that's a win. Hosting Chargers, that's a win. At Raiders, that's a win. That's a win. I, I think you know. Um, so by my math, you've got them like what, like five and three down the way. Missing the playoffs because of the Commanders game is going to come back and bite them in the ass. That Commanders loss being up 23-3 to three at halftime, that one in probably week one of the Raiders, but that Commanders loss, even if they would win tonight, I believe that Commanders loss will come back to bite them in the ass sooner or later. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here for the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. 
Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 